Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, back here with another post-race edition of the podcast at the Charlotte NBC Sports Studio with Steve Letart, just back from Martinsville Speedway, calling the Round of Eight finale. Stevie, thanks for uh, returning to the podcast. Good to have you here. Man, it's always fun to join what I consider one of the marquee races of the year. I know it, it doesn't have perhaps the history of you know the Southern 500 and so on and so forth, but this is a must-watch, must-attend event. Anybody who's listening, you need to buy a ticket to Martinsville next year. The place was electric, but only makes it better, right? So the track delivers, the stars deliver, but the fans made it even that much better, and I think it's going to continue to build. Yeah, uh, they had their biggest crowd there in five years, according to track president Clay Campbell. And once again, the last 60 laps of this race just did not disappoint. I don't know if the desperation just stems from the atmosphere of the playoffs, if that's just created this intensity. But um, let's just start there. Why do you think, is it just the moving this race to the finale and making this the cutoff race for the championship four? Because it was a great race, obviously, when it was the leadoff race of the round yeah, of eight. Yeah, but the yeah. last two years, I feel like it's taken off a little bit more <laughs> intensity somehow. Well, there's more on the line. I mean, the closer you get to Phoenix, the more comes on the line. Anybody who thinks that is, is crazy and hasn't watched the playoffs. And there's not a second chance behind it. So it becomes much more final as you close to the finish of that race. And, you know, there's something to be said to go somewhere. So Talladega is a great equalizer because the, the draft diminishes the value of horsepower and aer- aerodynamics and allow the smaller teams or the less funded teams to have a chance. Good cars are still good. Bad cars are still bad. But the window of the two shrink. Martinsville is much the same. Horsepower still matters and handling still matters. But I believe the driver has his hand in it as much as anywhere. Uh, he can make a good car bad, a bad car good. Crew chiefs can make cars. How many times do you see a bad car all day just be a bad car? Well, in Martinsville, good cars, bad cars, they, they kind of change. And we don't need to run 140 miles an hour to let these guys really show their emotion. And I think there's something to be said for a reasonably slow speed so they're going slower here than any track we go to, yet they're not in any more control. And that's the key. Um, I had this argument with somebody today. said, so, well, you know, Kansas, they're going faster, so they're more out of control. I disagree. I think underbraking at Martinsville is perhaps as out of control as you are at any racetrack you go to because to be good, you have to kind of take it all the way to the limit. And, and man, I don't know. It's just it, – look, it's great. It is – Look, it's my favorite track, so I could talk for hours about Martinsville. I mean, it's my favorite track on the circuit for all, all the reasons we just discussed right here, and, and I think it's a great race every year. My favorite track as well, and I think you're right. Drivers taking the limit. Kyle Petty said on the post-race he felt like this was the best race of the year in terms of that last 50 laps. We saw a lot of drivers, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., championship-caliber drivers all taking it to the limit. 
and we saw a lot of things happen. <laughs> so let's, got some time. let's get to all of it. Let's start with Denny Hamlin and Alex Bowman. And we were just talking about before we got started here, Stevie. Alex Bowman wins the race by taking out Denny Hamlin, and Hamlin shows his displeasure afterward. He's just a hack. He's just an absolute hack. Um, he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. and just, you know, he's terrible. He's just terrible, and he sees one opportunity, and he, he takes it. But obviously, um, you know, he's got the fastest car of the week, and he runs 10th. So um, he, he you know, didn't want to race us there. We, we had a good, clean race. I moved up as high as I could on the racetrack to give him all the room I could, and he still can't drive. You know, we got in, we did what we had to do, but, like, I just wanted to race uh, there at the end, and just, um, you know, he's just terrible. You know, we talk about all the time, we want drivers to show their emotion. Obviously, Denny Hamlin was very displeased, showed his emotion after that race by preventing Alex Bowman from doing his victory burnout. Were you okay with what you saw from Denny Hamlin? I didn't love the altercation on the front stretch for more than the reasons I think everybody assumes. It's not. So a little bit is, I believe, hey, the winner is the winner. And you have to kind of respect whether you completely disagree with how he got there. It's kind of this moment that that the person has earned per the NASCAR rulebook, right? They claim him as the winner. The second part, and perhaps more importantly for me, is I think his actions in the race car diminished his actions in front of the microphone. And, And I believe that Denny, when he got out and said what he said about Alex... I actually don't feel that was emotion-fueled. I think that was a calculated Denny Hamlin giving your opinion about another race car driver he drives with. That, that in Denny's opinion, he isn't as talented as his teammates, which is amazing thinking he has four wins this year. But De- I'm just going off what Denny said. Me reading Denny's comments, he doesn't feel he's as good. That he felt like he got wrecked not on purpose, but it felt like he got wrecked because the guy didn't have enough talent to not wreck him. I mean, that's kind of how I read his comments, right? It's a hack job. That isn't, you know... That jerk wrecked me. That's not what he said. He said it's a hack job, which basically, you know, if me and you are golfers and I say you're a hack, that means you're not any good. Right. That means, hey, man, don't play with Nate. He's a hack. He can't hit the <laughs> golf ball. It's no any fun. Like when you call someone a hack, that tells me that you say you don't have the talent to, to try to do or to justify what you're trying to do. That, those are the words that I expect uh, Denny Hamlin. You know, that's how I take what he was trying to tell me. The problem is after the shenanigans on the front stretch, I'm kind of like, ah. Just people, rather even every even listening to what he has to say. Right, right. Uh, that's why I wish that wouldn't go on. I wish it was was done because I love sports, I love rivalries, and I love disagreement. And we don't have to agree on which side we're on. And I think he has every right to say whatever he wanted to do. And you can like it, boo, cheer. That's not the point. He has every right to say it, and I think that was diminished because of what happened on the front stretch. So you love the emotion. Just save the emotion for just the interview. Don't necessarily do it in the front stretch and do it in an unconventional, I'm going to stop your burnout, stop your celebration. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? I mean, there's a burnout interview. There's people in the front stretch. Yeah. There's like, I'm not going to defend any of it. I've never been a race car driver, so I don't know what it's like to sit in there and how they see this car as an extension of themselves, and they feel it's fine to put this, you know, whatever. That's their business. I... Denny Hamlin in his race car on the front stretch is Denny Hamlin, the race car driver. Denny Hamlin out with his helmet off, camera in front of him, face on screen, is a NASCAR superstar. The fan can relate to the driver they can see. The fan can't relate to the guy behind the wheel. So I think for the good of the sport and for the good of the fans, get out and say it. Mm -hmm. Right? It's kind of like sometimes I feel like drivers behind the wheel are kind of like people behind a keyboard. It's a lot easier because you got a helmet on and you're hidden. When you're willing to take all that comfort away and double down on your comments, those resonate more with me. 
So let's talk about what Hamlin said and ask, I want to frame this in the most respectful way possible to Alex Bowman, but ask if Denny Hamlin has a point. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying Alex Bowman didn't deserve to win this race. He had a very fast car. He put himself in position to win it. But a lot of people I saw on social media were asking, you know, why didn't Denny Hamlin just allow him more room? And I think Denny Hamlin's answer is I did allow him more room. Like I was watching the replays this morning. It looked like he gave him a lane, maybe lane and a half for a few laps there. And then when Alex Bowman made the move, he couldn't hold the bottom. He slid up and he took out the 11. Does Denny Hamlin have a point to some degree that Alex Bowman didn't make the pass the way a driver should make that pass? So he didn't. Um, and I don't think he made the pass the way he intended to make the pass. So my Yeah, he did say that. It wasn't an, intended. My analysis of what I saw on the racetrack as a guy who's never driven Martinsville but watched, we'll call it, tens of thousands of laps there. Denny Hamlin races Martinsville with a scalpel. Pre-calculated what he does and where he puts his car. Uh, reminds me a lot of Jeff Gordon, who I, I was fortunate enough to win there. I've seen him do it. I believe that Denny gave Alex Bowman an ample amount of room to race with reasonable contact for a race win. I think Alex Bowman, lap after lap after lap, was unable to make the pass, and eventually, purely a mistake, got over the limit of his car on under braking. Car gets loose. You have to turn right, and that carries him up into Denny, and he spins Denny out. So it's really – I don't think there's a debate on what happened. The debate is, is it okay for a non-playoff driver – to take his car to such a limit that he can cross over it and wreck a playoff guy? Or any driver, for that matter. Like, where is good hard racing? Right? Like, is it, you know, like, he didn't hit him in the rear bumper. He didn't wreck him on purpose. But he wrecked him. So it wasn't malicious, but does it make a difference? If the result's the same, I mean, that's really the question. I don't. I, everybody has to come up with their own answer. I don't have, a, you know, an opinion on it. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me. I believe in my heart five years ago, a non-playoff driver does not contend that spot. Hmm. Now, we've seen non-playoff drivers there. Dale Jr. and I won there as a non-playoff driver. But we were never in a position to, to – we never raced anybody where we had to contend the spot. We had a little – we had new tires went right by Tony Stewart. Matter of fact, Dale and I had this conversation on the ride home. Jeff Gordon was closing. And Dale said, one reason why I went by Tony with such force, body slamming him out of the way, is because I knew my teammate needed to win this race to advance. And if he got to my bumper and moved me, I had no recourse. Like I knew, not, he didn't say if he passed me. He said if he got to my left rear and sent me up the racetrack with two to go with the playoffs on the line, he was like, yeah, what's Rick going to say? He's like, yeah, man, he's in the playoffs. He's trying yeah. to move forward. Like you were the guy you had to get around. Like, like that would have been, quote, acceptable. So we raced knowing he cannot get to our left rear. Flip that, right? Now a non-playoff guy drove with such tenacity to win a race. Not his first career win, not his first of the year, his fourth win of the year. I don't want to discount the specialness of a win because it's huge, and I want them to race for wins. But that's the question in my mind. He drove so far into the corner that he lost control of his vehicle and wrecked a playoff guy. I'm confident Alex Bowman didn't know if he was good on points or not good on points. Like, he didn't know any of that. Now, fortunately for Denny Hamlin, he was. But what happens if he wasn't? What happens if that would have been the move that eliminated him for playoffs? Would people have a different view? Same action, different result. Would people have a different opinion? Those are all the things I question, right? Like, 
There's a lot that goes into these decisions. Well, Alex Bowman felt as if he was justified because Hamlin had taken him out at Texas the previous year and apologized for it. So he's like, hey, the shoe's already been on the other foot. And he also felt because the lap 478 restart, Bowman took the lead after getting into Hamlin a little bit. And then just, I mean, you guys said it on the broadcast, I think Burton was like, oh my God, he's getting over. Right. I mean, it was Dale Jr. who said it. Just He pulled out of the way and let Denny take the lead. I just got loose in. Um... I got in too deep, knocked him out of the way, and literally let him have the lead back. So for anybody that wants to think that I was trying to crash him, it obviously wasn't the case considering I literally gave up the lead at Martinsville to give it back to him. So um, he's been on the other side of that. He's crashed guys here for wins. I hate doing it. Obviously, it's not. I don't want to crash somebody, and uh, I just got in, got loose underneath him, and spun him out. So like, I'm not trying to drive under there and crash the guy. Um, I hadn't run into him. I caught him. I got under him fair, um, under him clean, and I just got sideways underneath him and uh, spun him out. So hate to do that. Obviously unintentional, but uh, part of short track racing. I don't know if Hamlin really acknowledged that or even realized it. Maybe he realizes it later, but I mean, should that have factored into it that Bowman had kind of already tried to make amends already for, for hitting Hamlin earlier? No, I don't think he cared about any of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it goes back to the same. It's no different, like, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick. If Chase Elliott doesn't get a left front tire does, flat, does anybody even, like, is there anything to talk about? I mean, yeah, he went up, he banged him, and then kind of, like. So if Bowman is six feet farther up and he just doors him and drives by him for the win, you know, I mean, I think that's the difference. The difference is the guy slid up into the fence like he wrecked, you know? I mean, listen, let's not forget Danny Hamlin spun Chase Elliott out in almost the same spot. You know, so we, we've seen this. It's not going to go away. It's Martinsville. It's not, it, you know, I, I think there's a different dynamic, right, because of, of what's on the line. And, and I don't – I mean, I don't know how the garage operates now with the drivers. It's quite fascinating to watch. But I believe that Alex Bowman won the race. He's going to go down in the record books as the race winner. Chase Allen has – or excuse me, Denny Hamlin has every um, right to be as mad as he currently is. And, and it will kind of move forward. And there will be another thing five years from now that we talk about again, right, like this is Martinsville. And that's – NASCAR has given the drivers this opportunity to put this show on. Before we leave Bowman and Hamlin, I want to make one more point about Hamlin. To your experience level, Steve, you've watched, as you said, tens of thousands of laps at this track. And I haven't watched nearly as many, and I don't have nearly the astute assessment level that you have. But I would put Hamlin in the same category as maybe Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, in terms of like true Martinsville masters. And I looked at that the first 60 laps of this race where he had to start from the rear after the inspection failures. People were kind of getting nervous on social media, like, oh, you know, Larson might catch him here before we get to the competition caution. You know, will he go a lap down? It seemed to me like Hamlin was just exquisitely babying his car perfectly, working traffic. Maybe he wasn't getting to the front as soon as we expected him to, but when it mattered, he got to the front and he was in position to win that race despite nearly going a lap down in the first 60 laps. What did you make of like what you saw from Hamlin in terms of his Martinsville mastery? Because it seemed like it was a really sublime performance. So when Dale Earnhardt Jr. became my driver and we went to Daytona, he described things that happened out there that I didn't know were even happening. Like this chaos of restricted plate racing for Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in slow motion. We'd come in from a practice, and he would tell you how, not only how good his car was, but that guy's car and this guy's car and what this guy needs to work on. And, man, this guy's loose in. And, man, this guy's not going to have any fun when it gets warm on Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, poof. Like, it's truly slow motion to this guy out there. He sees it all. And I've never worked with Denny Hamlin, but from above and racing against him, it feels like it's in slow motion. I feel like um, we talk about the chaos, and there's 40 cars, and there's cars everywhere, but yet there isn't chaos for him. Um, go back to the wreck he missed. 
was pretty impressive. And then watch him. Uh, you know, the beauty of being a race fan and a TV broadcaster is I have the best seat, and I get to sit there and watch. And with four of us up there, I don't have an obligation to cover everything. So as the drivers were kind of talking about a race for the, you know, the front, I watched Denny from about 16th to 12th work his way through traffic. And it's, it's pretty masterful, right? It isn't, you know, catch you, work on you, get to your inside, go by you. It's not like that at all. I mean, every corner, it's a different entry. It's a different move. It's, it's key is he's kind of playing chess a couple spots ahead of some of these guys. Um, and, and it's Martinsville. You know, I'm not going to give him this credit everywhere we go. I think he's a very good race car driver. But, you know, everybody has kind of their track where you're like, man, that guy just gets it. Jimmy Johnson, when he went to Dover, you're like, I don't know what track he's driving, but it's unbelievable. That's how Denny is there. It is. It's masterful to watch. I mean, look, it's been a rough regular season. He didn't get a win. He comes into the playoffs. He wins. I think what you saw out of Denny is he saw what Chase did. He knows what winning the race before Phoenix does. He knows the rocket ship you get on at Victory Lane at Martinsville. So he knows what it was worth. And, and I think that's real. So, uh, But, yes, watching him at Martinsville is, is – I probably – Jeff Gordon – Jimmy Johnson and Denny Hamlin, I'll challenge anybody who thinks they've seen more laps because I've watched more in-car camera of those three and more um, only to try to improve, right, because they right. are they are good and they've been good and it doesn't matter the car, the setup, the day, the whatever. They seem to always find a way. <laughs> it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And I agree with your point there that I mean, Chase Elliott has been saying it the last two weeks that you get hot for these two weeks and Martinsville Phoenix can define your season. No matter how you ran, the, obviously you got to run somewhat well the previous 34 races, but those two weeks can – can make the entire thing, and you're right. Like a victory of Martinsville, who knows? Maybe Hamlin still wins the championship. We'll get yeah, to that. So go minute. back to last year. Give me three races other than Martinsville and Phoenix, and tell me how Chase Elliott ran. Pick any three. <laughs> I mean, road courses. I guess we just go there, right? <laughs> that's right, it. But that's what. That's yeah, be, I, that's exactly his point. People can get mad, but here's the simple fact: I'm a sports fan. Love sports. Good players are great in, reg- in the regular season. Great players play great in the postseason. I don't care. Stick and ball, football, baseball, I don't care. Racing, I don't care. Fact, great players, Hall of Famers, legends, they play best when it matters most. And all of these drivers know this, this is not new. We've seen this since 14. And part of it is how do you do it and how do you race and all that stuff. But the other part of it is how is it perceived? And I think these drivers are realizing it's perceived that if you can show up in the postseason, you are elevated in this world of NASCAR. And that's real. Someone who elevated himself on Sunday despite a very chaotic afternoon. Martin Trex Jr. and... Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was just going back before we got started here, Stevie, trying to <laughs> like recreate, uh, make sure I had all the lap numbers right. Everything that had happened to Martin Truex Jr. over the final 54 laps of this race starts with this weird situation between Kozlowski and Elliott where Kozlowski's trying to go around and it seemed like they got their signals crossed on Elliott was maybe trying to give him the outside and Kozlowski didn't realize it. Anyway, Truex makes contact at that point with Kozlowski and really damages his left front and put his tire in a spot where it looked like, and you were saying it on the broadcast, that there was huge debate there about whether they should pit or not. Let's just start there. Like, How does that tire survive that impact and survived all that sheet metal and yeah. uh, everything just hanging fortunate. there? Yeah, Is fortunate. it just luck? Yeah, yeah, just luck. Just fortunate that it bent a certain way and not another way. Uh, you know, when I look at Truex... I would love to get his opinion whether he mismanaged the last 50 laps. Right. I think it started a couple laps before that when he went three wide down the backstretch. Was that needed? Now, I realize, listen, you've got a race and you're trying to win, and I, and I get all that. And, and I, like I said, I'm not in line. I want to get his opinion. Because Jeff Burton's pretty strong and was like, that was a move that was unnecessary. He didn't have to go three wide there. He could have done all of those things. Now, in the end, he, he, he advanced, but there was a lot of water under the bridge in those last 50 laps, no doubt. Yeah, I, he made that move where he went underneath Keselowski and Bowman on the outside of Keselowski and essentially forced Bowman to back out and put Keselowski, the guy he was really worried about in terms of points, put him in a better position and slipped back and then... Truex had the situation where he ran into Almirola. He hit the wall. They had some moments there. And you said, Stevie, on the broadcast that like Truex's crew chief, James Small, he's either going to be a genius or not, yeah. whether they pit or not at that point. And I guess it turns out he's a genius. Yeah, right. I mean, is, it, is it just that simple sometimes for crew chiefs when you have to make that call on whether you pit or not? Well, I think in the end you say, how would I rather lose? <laughs> I've asked myself that question a lot. If it goes bad, would I rather go bad because I pitted or would I rather go bad because I didn't? And sometimes that's the question you have to ask yourself. You know, I just think that this team, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of chipperness on the radio, and I, I, I don't, it's an interesting dynamic, this group, because they're fast and they run well and they do all those things. But, and I love James Small. I think he's really, really smart. But I don't know. There's something about that group. There's something calming that doesn't exist anymore, or I'm not sure what it is. But in these stressful situations, their radio makes me more stressful. Now, maybe that's how they want it to be, but I'm yeah. like, man, I would, I'd have to make some adjustments to this because it is a little more chaotic than I would prefer, but I'm not on the team, so it's not, you know, it's not my deal. Yeah, that's their second season together, and they haven't really been tested like this before. This will be their first championship round. Well, they're going to be tested on Sunday, I'm going to tell you. They certainly are. I want to get to Phoenix preview, but before we get there, I want to touch really quickly on Penske. Surprise you at all that they had three guys coming to the round of eight, and they end up with zero in the championship four. First time, by the way, also that Ford won't have a car in the championship four. I mean, Blaney certainly looked solid until the accident at Kansas, and then he was still only a point out coming in, and as he put it, it was just a mystery. It was a head-scratcher how poorly they ran. Yeah, well, we just, um, I mean, overall, we just kind of missed it. You know, we, we weren't really great from the get-go, and um, gosh, worked hard on it all day, and, and uh, had one run. I thought we kind of got where we needed to be. Drove up to eighth or seventh, and 
I was like, all right, we got something now we can really work on and, and made a change in the next round. We were just back to what we were. So kind of a mystery, kind of a head scratcher. We're not, we weren't really any different though. Have we been here in the past? We've been really good. Just wasn't really the right combination today. So thanks for not going to race for a championship at Phoenix. But um, yeah, I was, I was really looking forward to today. And um, I mean, like I said, we've been really good here the last few races and yeah, just missed it today. I, I'd love to tell you where we missed it, but I just, I just don't really know. So, but um, appreciate the fight from everybody today. I was more surprised that they got three in the eight than I was that they didn't advance. Joey Logano didn't win a race on asphalt. Brad Kozlowski only won Talladega. I'm not trying to be ugly, but those are C plus, B minus performances. I mean, you're if you want to you want to talk about championship level, you didn't win a race on asphalt. You only won at Talladega. Now, I'm not trying to disagree with Talladega, but we all know that that isn't a great snapshot of the whole year. So Blaney with three wins. I think the round did not go as he had hoped. And we go back to that wreck at Kansas. You know, yes, fair, all fair. Blaney is the one I had, if any of them, moving forward. The other two, they just have to be faster. You know, if the crew chiefs listen to this, they're going, yeah, no, no kidding. But my <laughs> point is, don't make more of it. Ford is not in the championship four because they don't have a championship four performer. It's that simple. Their best and perhaps only shot was Blaney. So it's numbers. Like at some point, it's numbers, right? How did Hend- how did Hendrick and Gibbs get two there? Well, they both started with four, so you know that helps. So so you know they just it was not a year for the Blue Oval. No, not a year at all. No, uh, started with Kevin Harvick and certainly uh, bled over to Penske a little bit too, as you said. The twenty-two and the two didn't run nearly as well as people expected. But nor themselves. Now, I say this candidly because if Paul Wolf was sitting right here, I'd say, Paul, assess your season. There's no way. He says, well, it was a great year. No way. I yeah. know him. There's like, this is just not what he expects. Logano said a post-race does. We fought hard this season. We just we weren't fast enough. Uh, we weren't fast enough throughout the playoffs, and then um, today kind of was a, another example of that. I, yeah, right. I'm not discounting the effort they put yeah. in. I know they're working hard. It's just Speed if, you want, you know, if you want balls and strikes, if you want black and white, it's the, the black and white of this is they have to be faster to contend you, you know, you have to be able to recover from stuff going wrong, and they are not fast enough to recover. Everything has to go right for them to advance. Definitely a numbers game, and the numbers say, as we look forward to Phoenix, that this championship four, they're the four best drivers. Noted NASCAR and NBC podcast listener Bob Pockris tweeted last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. To Bob at Fox Sports, that the top four lap leaders this year 
Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr. Those are your four championship drivers. Those are the four guys who led the most laps in the 2021 season. So th- this championship four, as strong as one maybe that NASCAR has had since 2014? I, I think so. You know, there's some other weeks or years that we had some some really good fours, but when I look at this one, I don't feel like I'm missing anyone. I do think you could put Kyle in there, Bush, just because he's kind of, you know, just always moves the needle. But when you look at just pure argument, you tell me who you're a fan of, and I can tell you how they win a championship, right? Oh, Kyle Larson would be his 10th win of the year. Great year. Oh, Chase Elliott? Oh, well, he's he's won one before. He's won out there. He's a defending champ. Oh, you like Denny Hamlin? He has 46 career wins. He's already won a couple times in the playoffs. Could have won last week. Got spun out, right? Oh, you like Trex? Well, he dominated out there in the spring. Like, I make a storyline for all four of them. Um, so I really believe what we're going to see and what I hope, what I hope more than anything is we just get the opportunity for the four to show who's best. My only nod in my stomach is there are 36 other guys on the racetrack and there's other things that have go on. We see cars stay on the pit. I'm not asking for them to pull over for those four, but let's not, let's just understand. Let's, let's, let's not throw a Hail Mary if you're, if you're whomever. Don't race like Alex Bowman did against Hamlin. Is that kind of the advice here? I'm less concerned with that as I am. You know, don't leave. Don't somebody stay out on old tires if those are the front four guys and take away somebody's lane choice. But we saw the Xfinity race at Martinsville. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, don't put poor Spencer Boyd in a bad position at that Martinsville race. Don't don't do that out there. Now, if you're faster, now I'm also going to say, if you're the 48 or the 24 or whomever and you're faster than the guy in front of you, go by him. That's his fault. Yeah. He's not fast enough. Don't race with mittens, as you say. Don't race with mittens, man. You got to take the mittens off. But at the same time, be cognizant of where you are. Just understand. Yeah. Just like I'm fine if you go buy them. To your point, the Alex Bowman thing. I would be disappointed if someone put themselves in a position to make an egregious enough mistake because I don't think anybody would do it on purpose. That could truly affect this outcome. That's all I'm kind of saying, right now. If Chase Elliott speeds on pit road, and he gets caught up in a wreck for 11th. I don't want to hear about the mistake. The mistake was, why were you back there, right? My point is, if they do their part, and they're 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 5, 1, 2, 3, that, then they've earned the right to go get it. That's kind of my point. They yeah. have to do their part, show up, be fast, qualify well. But if they do that part, man, you got to kind of let them do it. I mean, it certainly feels like it's going to be one of those years <laughs> like 2019 or like last year where, you know, I don't know how many guys outside the top four, the championship four led. It, it just, it felt like it was it, just, it, those, it those reminds guys. me of the Phoenix race, not the championship race, the Phoenix race where Denny Hamlin had to pit for gas. 2010. Yes. That's what yeah. I'm expecting. Like, I think we're all like four wide restart. I don't think so. I think I'm going to drop the green with 70 something to go. And everybody's going to be like, all right. And someone's going to get control of the race and it's going to come down to, Everything needed. Good enough, fast enough, manage fuel, manage track. Like, I don't know. I just think it's going to be way more, way more that style. Because in that race, and that pretty much cost Denny Hamlin the championship in 2010, it, was, it wasn't that he didn't have the fastest car. It was that he had the wrong carburetor in terms of fuel efficiency, and they just had to pit early. So that's my That's, that's, my, that's your um, prediction. I okay. just feel that <laughs> this, it's way more than just line up and have a restart with 10 to go. I don't buy it. On the post-race show, you said you were really struggling to handicap this, that there's you know, no favorite, 
dead heat, kind of what you've been saying. But I thought it was interesting when Rick Allen did ask you and Burton and Dale Jr. to make your predictions. Okay, so now we have these four drivers. I'm going to have you give me an early prediction. Who do you think the champion is this year? I think Denny Hamlin. He breaks the streak. He becomes a champion. 46 wins is too many in the career without the big trophy. I yep. think Chase Elliott's going to repeat. I really do. I, think I go with Denny Hamlin. I, I agree with Steve. It's time for Denny Hamlin to win a championship. We didn't get a chance to hear from DJ and KP, so who knows? Maybe one of them would have picked Kyle Larson. But is the guy with nine wins maybe not top of mind for you and others because this is his first appearance versus the other three guys being return championship four drivers? Well, I think as an, an analyst, my job is to look a little bit past the easiest pick, which is Larson because he's won nine races. But I, when saying that, it's because he himself has had said on occasions about how the Chili Bowl kind of got in his head a little bit. Mm. And his early cup year has kind of got in his head a little So he's done nothing this year to prove to me that that's an issue at all. But this is nothing like he's ever done. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not. Right? Now, he could go there and lead every single lap. And I'd be like, yeah, not a shock. He's been that good all year long. I would have the same lack of surprise if he went there and was surprisingly mediocre. The third best of the four all day long. Like, I don't know, he's not going to run 10th, right? But if he goes and runs third and just say that, like, he's learning so much, absorbing so much so quick. I mean, I'm willing to say Kyle Larson, oh, he's going to be a champion. There's no doubt. I just don't know if it's going to be 2021 or not. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I only go off his comment. You've heard him. Like, he's like, yeah, the Chili Bowl kind of this. And I had to learn how to manage some of those final restarts. And, and, it's, and, I, and I equate that to what Chase said. Like, he's willing to say, I'm wiser. I've been there. I look forward to these opportunities. Like, you know, it's... it's. He's embracing the moment maybe a little bit more than... I mean, I think Larson I don't is know, in the moment. Honest, he's, you know, he's, the problem I have with Kyle is that he reminds me a little of Jimmy, which is I'm fortunate enough to know Kyle on and off the racetrack. And whether he's lining up for Speed 51 at Millbridge or on the grid for Martinsville, anything in between, he yeah. is literally the same guy. So that's where I'm like, okay, well, then I didn't see what he is referencing that some of these races kind of got in his head. So the fact that I couldn't read his cards, he's a great poker player, so I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the spot's going to be – I don't want to say it's too big. That's not the point. But will it feel different? Like, will there be small things he does differently, or will he literally just strap the helmet on like he always does and goes and win? Well, I think – I'm going to look it up right now. I believe he was the worst of the championship drivers in terms of finish. I think he was like seventh. The first time to Phoenix this year – all four of these guys, I believe, were in the top ten. Yes, Martin Truex Jr. won, Ham won third, Chase Elliott fifth, Kyle Larson seventh. And Keselowski was saying this week that because of the parts freeze, because of, you know, the this is the last year of the, the Gen 6, he thinks that this Phoenix race could be a lot like the first Phoenix race. And is that a negative, do you think, for Kyle Larson, that he wasn't as good as the other three guys the first time? Martinsville didn't look the same. Same parts freeze. I, I, don't, I don't buy the whole parts freeze thing. Yeah, you think? Everybody tells me it's frozen, but they keep building brand new cars. <laughs> Some don't add up. <laughs> right. Like, yes, there are parts you can't you can't improve on. Yeah. There's a lot of parts you can. Like, let's, like, I think people don't understand how crew chiefs work. If you say you can't touch your phone, okay. Well, can I Bluetooth into it? Like, when you say touch... Like, like, not allowed to touch the screen? <laughs> Could I tell Nate to touch it? Could I... They read the rules like a lawyer. What if I <laughs> touched the notebook underneath my phone and my phone moved? Yeah. Now, did I cause my phone to move? Right? Like, so this parts freeze... Look, I don't think anyone's cheating, yeah. but if they think they all just went, oh, parts are frozen. Let's just go to the racetrack. No. 
Now he has about <laughs> 600 employees over at Handshake going, ah, ah, parts are frozen. Yeah. Let's not do <laughs> No. Okay. No way. Don't buy it. So just because Martin Truex Jr. won the first race at Phoenix does not mean he is necessarily overwhelming favorite. Unless you're the Martin Truex Jr. fan, that's what I hang my hat on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I say that jokingly, but it's true. Like, you tell me who you want to support, and I can tell you why they should win and how they could lose. Isn't that make what we should all hope? Right, nobody wants a 40-point favorite in the Super Bowl. Like, man, let's let's line them up. We started with Denny Hamlin. Let's end with Denny Hamlin then. Speaking of mindset, where a driver is right now, Hamlin had some tweets last night that indicated it sounded like he's already passed Martinsville. He doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He's more ready to win this thing than ever. His team's more ready to win this thing than ever. This is his fourth appearance in the championship round. You know, we talked about 2010 before this playoff structure. It's been closed so many times. He's clearly the best driver not to have won a championship, active driver at the moment. Although some might even say he's there with Junior Johnson and Mark Martin. For sure. Zero doubt. So where do you think Denny Hamlin's chances? He's, he was your so pick. He's yesterday. my pick because... Because they were forcing me to pick someone. Because <laughs> Rick put it to you. So let, let me do. Let me look at it the other way. Chase Elliott and Allen did it. And I think repeating is hard in any sport. So the fact that they're even here, impressive. Truex was on championship form early, has seemed to have lost something through the last few months. So all right, so I can make an argument. He's not the favorite. Kyle Larson's never been there. And he's already won nine. So it's like, you know, pretty impressive season. I go back to 2010. I go back to 2000-whatever, the tape on the grill, Denny Hamlin, overheating same crew chief he has now. Yeah, 2019. You know, I struggle to see, like, all of that has to be worth something. And, and how I built teams for all these years and water under the bridge and lessons learned and all of those things. Now, that doesn't mean, like, you still have to show up and go do it. But, man, he has a lot of lessons learned. Plus... I'm the guy in Vegas that if, you know, if a roulette table's been on red for 15 times, I run over there, even though I'm smart enough to know that the ball doesn't know where it went last time. I'm like, wow, probability would say surely it's going to be black, right? The guy's won 46 races. At some point, he has to win the right one. I just, man, it's, I just feel that. Now, I wouldn't be as shocked if you like, like I picked one because I had to pick one, but my honest answer was I don't want to handicap it. Right, right. The like honest said, it's a answer dead heat. is it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a dead heat. I believe that... Um, overall, the Hendrick cars, t front to back, all four of them have looked a little better. So that tells me that the odds of them having the right balance. But now remember, oh, now we have practice and qualifying. So now they're not even guaranteed to start in the front row. Like there's all these things. So that makes it even harder to judge. So I don't know. I think we have a better idea of who has it after qualifying on Saturday. Which is why everybody should tune in. Friday practice, qualifying Saturday, and then the big race. Sunday, this man will be calling it. Stevie, as always, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Man, I can't wait. Favorite week of the year. Martinsville is my favorite race, but this championship, nothing diminishes the Daytona 500. I don't ever want to say that. But NASCAR has given a great opportunity in the fall to kind of match it, which is the championship race at Phoenix. So I can't wait to go west, see what they do. Our thanks again to Steve Letarte for taking the time to discuss Martinsville and look ahead to the championship finale at Phoenix. A quick rundown of NBC Sports coverage of NASCAR this weekend at Phoenix Raceway. Friday Cup practice is at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Saturday Cup qualifying is at 7 p.m. Eastern on CNBC. Xfinity Countdown to Green is on NBCSN at 8 p.m. Eastern Saturday, followed by the race at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then Sunday, it's Countdown to Green for the Cup Series Championship race at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, with the race getting underway around 3.30 p.m. Eastern to determine the 2021 Cup Series champion.
Thanks to NASCAR NBC producers Emily Conboy and Aaron Feldstein for helping coordinate the guests and logistics for the NASCAR NBC podcast. And thanks to Anthony and Justin for helping man the cameras for the video version of the podcast, which you can find on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. Subscribe while you're there. Lots of great daily motorsports video content ends up there. Of course, the NASCAR NBC podcast is available wherever you download podcasts. So if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. And any feedback you can send to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.